This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 330 with Kate Northrup. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 330. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Highlands Eardrops. Don't let your summer fun get ruined by ear pain. Try Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets. Go to highlands.com slash ear hyphen pain to check out Highlands products. As an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, and shameless mom, Kate Northrup has built a multimedia digital empire with her husband, Mike Watts, that reaches hundreds of thousands globally. They are committed to supporting ambitious women to light up the world without burning themselves out in the process. Kate teaches data-driven and soul-driven time and energy management practices that result in saving time, making more money, and experiencing less stress. Kate recently birthed her second baby and her second book, Do Less, a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. And I'm telling you, you need this book in your life. So Kate has been on my 2019 dream guest list for a few months now. And as luck would have it, her team reached out to me before we got around to reaching out to her. And when I told her about this, she said, oh yeah, that's called egg wisdom. To which I said, what? (laughs) And she then told me all about egg wisdom later in this conversation. And it was simply fascinating. So make sure you stick around for that. Kate is going to open up your mind in a few new directions today, and I cannot wait to hear how this resonates with you. Definitely let me know. Continue the conversation on Instagram and our Facebook group. I think that you're going to learn a lot today. So listen in to hear Kate share why it pays to pay more attention to your period and how to tap into ways it gives you renewed energy and productivity, how to tap into your egg wisdom to attract more of what you want without working harder, how mother's brains are rewired and how to use this to your advantage and the power of doing less to accomplish more. I love this conversation. I'm a huge fan of Kate's work and her podcast that she does with her husband, The Kate and Mike Show. So I want you to check that out. And I want you to get her book. So listen in so that you can get a little Kate in your life. I think you're going to be super excited and eager to dig even deeper after this conversation. So please join me in welcoming Kate Northup to the Shameless Mom Academy. Kate Northup, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I love it when the universe just like rubs your back as it did to me when I had put you on my dream team guest list for 2019. And then your team ended up reaching out to me before we got around to reaching out to you. And here we are, like the universe just made it happen for us. I do love that. That is 
That is like, I talk about a concept in my book, Do Less, called egg wisdom, which we may or may not get to. We'll see. But that is egg wisdom at work. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, and I also feel like the older I get, the more woo I get, the more I'm like the things that you write down happen and all those kinds of things that I used to totally reject. And so I believe like when you put Michelle Obama on your dream team guest list, like that's going to happen someday. So you're today's Uh, version of uh, Michelle Obama, just FYI. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. That's, I mean, that is really, I mean, do you need anything more? We can just be done now. (laughs) Somebody also posted a picture of my book next to becoming Michelle Obama. And I was like, oh my I can't believe I made it in the same post as her. So amazing. So amazing. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. And you can include the book in that as much or as little as you want. If you want to talk about babies, you can talk about babies, like wherever you want to go with it. Yeah. Well, right now we are really in a season, you know, it's springtime obviously here in the Northern Hemisphere, and we are really in, in our family, a season of springtime. We had a year that just absolutely kicked our asses last year. The birth of my second daughter was actually not the hard part of it. Um, Believe it or not, I had a glorious VBAC and my husband got really sick. And then it was just like a challenging year on so many levels. I mean, I don't know why I'm just, telling you these things that like I had a retained placenta and I had PTSD and then like I couldn't walk. I mean, there were all these things and just the adjustment of going from a family of three to four and then my husband being really sick and some challenges within our company. So the great news is what I'm really excited about is that Mike is like 95% better. He's back to, you know, his full vibrant self and, My book has come out in the last couple of months, and it's just been like this time of finally, finally, finally coming back to some ease after, after like, you know, probably a year and a quarter of just everything feeling really hard. So I'm just excited about that. I'm so grateful. But, you know, I live in Maine with my, I have a three and a half year old and a one year old. And then my husband and I run a company together. We also have a podcast together. So you know, that's kind of like the daily of my life. And then as we are recording, I'm sort of on and off book tour. So I'm like popping back home for six days, going away for a night oh or gosh. two. Back home. So it's an exciting season and we're having a great time. And I'm just loving my girls right now. They're oh, super. They're so cute. So I have to tell you, I follow you and Mike on social media. And I remember when he posted about being sick and I thought, Holy cow, because I had been like through my Instagram stalking, like keeping track of how things were going with the two babies and all this. And from what I gathered, he didn't really share about being sick until kind of after he was through a lot of it. Yeah. And then when he shared it, I was like doing the math in my head. I'm like, wait a minute. So that was like while you had a newborn that he was pretty much incapacitated. I mean, in to some yes. extent. He was at about 50% capacity when we had Ruby as a newborn. Some days were better than others. He took a major, major nosedive when she was like six months old. Oh, gosh. And really became quite incapacitated for about five weeks. Oh, my gosh. Uh, It wasn't newborn, thank goodness. I mean, I really just have to say, had it been, you know, I'm not actually sure what we would have done. You know, here's the thing it can always be worse. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. What's pretty bad, but it could always be worse. You know, and I have just such tremendous respect after going through this past year for single parents and just the daily intensity of that. And so every day I'm I'm really grateful. And I also have to say that as they do, uh, difficult times build our capacity. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just feel... Mm -hmm. Not that I thought I was weak by any means, but I'm so much stronger and just so much more like, well, come what may, I've got this. And that feels really good because motherhood has not always felt that way Mm. to me, which I think is totally normal. I don't think there's anything wrong with me. It's just 
nice to feel like I have more capacity now. Right. I love the idea of recognizing when after you've gotten through something really hard, because I do think there's phases in our life, this shows up for sure in motherhood and in other phases as well, where you get through something and you look back and you're like, I don't even know how I did that. Like, how did I get through that time? And then you also look back and think, but if I could do that, I can do anything. And the when you take a minute to be reflective backwards and acknowledge like, wow, if I can do that, then the level of resourcefulness and resilience that I carry with me every single day is so much greater than I ever thought. And the power that comes with that is huge. Like, I think that's so liberating in terms of then what we can allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to do moving forward. Yeah, that's absolutely so true. So I want to learn a little bit about what you are doing with your book and especially around women and energy. And so I know that you talk about the science of women having been programmed to be a source of renewed energy. And as I was going through these notes, I was like, oh, I need like all of us need more of this, right? (laughs) I mean, you just gave a great example. Like how does a mom renew her energy just under like regular circumstances, (laughs) let alone when you have two little babies or a spouse falls ill or you have, you know, big things going on at work and what have you. So can you talk a little bit about that? Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Yeah. So this I discovered when my first daughter was about 13 months old. So I got my period back when she was 13 months old for the first time. And I had lost my period because I over-exercised before my wedding. It was not like the healthiest moment in my life. And so it had been like two and a half or three years. I don't know. It felt like for years since I had had my period. And when it came back, I suddenly was fascinated by it. And like, I remember you posting or talking, maybe you did a podcast about it. I remember you talking about this and I was like, I think I should care more about my period because I've never noticed it. Yeah. Well, after we have this conversation, you're going to care. I know. So I had been one of those people, you know, I wasn't like, oh, my God, it's a curse. It's awful. But I was sort of like, yeah, whatever. And then I don't know why, but I became kind of obsessed with learning about it, reading a ton of books, tracking it. And there were a couple of things that happened. I started to realize that there are four phases of the menstrual cycle. I didn't realize this. I learned this. (laughs) There are four (laughs) phases of the menstrual cycle. And those four phases line up perfectly with the four phases of the moon, which line up perfectly with the four seasons Mm. energetically. So each of them has an energetic blueprint, like a sort of flavor of how we feel at different times of the month. And they are exactly the same as the four seasons and the four phases of the moon. 
And I was like, this is fascinating. And when I started to look, I realized also that the four energetic blueprints, if you will, are the exact flavors of productivity that we need to get any project off the ground. Interesting. What if, you know, and this was somewhat inspired by Elisa Vitti's work. She wrote a book called Woman Code, which is brilliant. And then somewhat inspired by my obsession with productivity that I've had my whole life and read, you know, every time management book under the sun, I have like a cupboard full of planners, (laughs) as I'm sure, you know, many of us, many people in my community are the planner hoarders. Totally, totally. But here's the thing. So men experience time and cycle every 24 hours. Women experience time and these ebbs and flows of energy in a 28-day-ish cycle. Now, all time management systems, all planners, all time has been designed for the way men experience life. So so shocking, right? Right? Yeah, this is, yeah. What a surprise. So when I learned that women experience this differently, I was like, well, where's the time management system that plays on our strengths? Right. And so the world has set up this expectation that we should be the same every single day and ideally better than we were the day before. But women's bodies are not built that way. We are built to be brilliant and increasingly brilliant, but over a 28 day cycle. And so what I was finding is that myself and all the women I knew and all the women I work with were pushing themselves and judging themselves and beating themselves up for not always feeling like Susie Sunshine, let me get after it today, which is kind of like our business culture, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, rise and grind, right? Yep. And I began to track my cycle. I began to track my own energy ebbs and flows over a 28-day period, you know, give or take however long my cycle was, also in concert with the moon, because a lot of the time I've been working on this material, I've been either pregnant or nursing. So mm. it's if you're pregnant or nursing or have had a hysterectomy or a postmenopausal or, you know, whatever situation you might have, you may not be cycling. I just want you to know this still applies. And so I started just to track these energetic ebbs and flows. And I started to listen to them and let them guide my days and time instead of ignoring them or pushing up against them or trying to change them. And I started to realize that if my menstrual cycle is responsible for human life. Like the menstrual cycle is responsible for all human life. And if the moon cycles and phases are responsible for gravity, and if the earth cycles are responsible for all life, all life, then quite possibly if I used these same four energetic signatures in my business, it would be good for business too. And so that is... Basically, now, of course, I've forgotten your question, but (laughs) where where this idea for an energetic blueprint for renewable energy came from the idea that if we essentially make hay while the sun shines and do the things that we are poised for energetically at different times of the month or at different times of our creative cycle, because each project has these four phases as well. So it doesn't just have to be biological. It can be actually having to do with your creative flow. Then we get more done in less time because we're actually surfing the wave Mm. and, you know, turning our canoe downstream instead of paddling upstream all the time, which is a lot of energy. Oh, that makes a ton of sense. My question was about renewed energy. So you totally answered it. (laughs) Well done. So this is really fascinating. And it's reminding me of a couple of years ago, I think, do you know Elizabeth D'Alto? I feel like Mm -hmm. I've heard your paths cross or heard you on each other's shows or something. So she was talking about a couple of years ago, how she was creating her work calendar based on her cycle. So she was like, okay, like I don't ever schedule productivity things and like interviews and things like that on like the first day of my period. And I was like, what? Because we're programmed and indoctrinated to like, if you have cramps, just power through, take an Advil, like whatever, take a Motrin and just figure it out and get things done. And I watched her kind of talk about this over the course of a few months or maybe even a year. And I was totally blown away, like thinking, Oh wait, you like plan days to just rest because you have your period. Like that's so counterculture because we're in a culture built for men that are like, that would be a sign of weakness if a woman is like not going to work to her full ability because of her period. Right. And that would be like giving in 
like we're almost like giving the men what they say. It shows that we are not as capable of them, which is what they've been telling us all along. And I was blown away that she was talking about this. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so different than the way I react. And she talked specifically around exercise with this. And she's like, yeah, like I don't usually work out those days. And I was thinking with me, if I go running and I have cramps, I'm like, you need to suck it up. Like you push through those cramps. You tell those cramps who's boss. And that is the internalized patriarchy. <laughs> totally. Right <there>. Totally. <laughs> and so I've like stopped running if I have cramps now. <laughs> I'm like, Look at me not running when I have cramps. Look at you. Like that's the revolution. I just right. want to be really clear. Like I think, you know, all the marching and all the things that we do is wonderful and it matters. And also the revolution could be taking a nap when you have your period. Yes. <laughs> Right. Like that is so powerful. And I also want to say for those listening, because you just touched on something really important, which is that idea of like, if I rest when I'm tired, Mm -hmm. then I'm giving in and I'm I'm sort of like proving that what men have always been saying that women are less capable is true. I just want to let everyone know that each phase of your cycle has tremendous gifts that give us an advantage Mm -hmm. as women or as feminine identifying you know, because like, I actually believe that more feminine identifying people also have this, even if they're not um, biologically women, exactly biologically women. And so basically, like during your period, your brain is wired to be the most interconnected between the left hemispheres and the right hemispheres. And this is the time when you will have the ability to make incredibly wise decisions because you are the most intuitive. You have the deepest connection with integrating logical and intuitive information at this time. And so one of my girlfriends called me up. She was struggling with this big conundrum. And I asked her, it was like a big deal business decision. And I asked her, where are you in your cycle? And she was like, oh, I'm like in the, you know, the follicular phase or ovulation or something. I can't remember. And I said, well, can you wait to make this decision until you have your period? And she said, yes, I don't want to, but I can. <laughs> she a couple weeks and literally her period came. And within five minutes, she had the entire download for her whole new business model oh that gosh. is sustaining her and her family for the last eight months or so incredibly successfully. And she got it in five minutes. So she saved herself so much time and agony from not obsessing about it all month long. And she also got way better information faster. So the thing is, if we embrace the season we're in, and this is like on a micro level, right, with your cycle or with the time of the month, or on a macro level with your business, with your life or whatever, then we get the gifts like that fast download of the new business model. But if we push up against it, if we run through the cramps, if we push through the exhaustion, we completely silence and smash the gifts mm. it's the thing. Like if I'm trying to rest, I know for myself, like I get super energized during my follicular and ovulation phases and same thing around like the waxing and full moons. And I may just not want to sleep as much during that time. If I'm trying to force myself to sleep, I'm like spending hours laying awake <laughs> in bed. And to me, like that's a waste of time. So I'd mm. rather just, Go with the fact that I may want to stay up later and like tinker with things during that time. And I trust that it all comes out in the wash over a 28 day period of time. Oh, so interesting. So let's dive in. I think this will probably take us kind of further into the same thing or into a parallel. But how can we attract more of what we want without working harder then? Once we we start recognizing all of this. Okay, so this is the egg wisdom. So this is what you were doing when you attracted me to your podcast. Yes. (laughs) Next, because I'm going to use this on Michelle Obama. So let me know how it works. (laughs) Excellent. So here's how it works. So I'm speaking in biological metaphor right now. So that's what we're doing. So this idea comes from my mom, Christian Northrup, and she gave me permission to write about it in the book because it's just so brilliant and she thinks more women should know. And so do I. (laughs) And if I recall from my stalking over the years, she's a doctor, right? Yes. And she wrote a book called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. She's written a bunch of books, but that's like her, you know, biggest, that's like the flagship book, if you will. So basically, here's what happens every month during a woman's reproductive years. The egg drops out of the ovary and the egg releases a signal 
And that signal, it's sort of like a pheromone. That signal actually signals to the sperm where the egg is. And it also increases the speed at which the sperm swims toward her. It actually increases the tail speed, believe it or not. And so the egg, as our metaphor, sits. She does not go anywhere. She drops out of the ovary, but then she's in the fallopian tube. And she sits. And she hangs out and waits. She's not running around. She's not like going all over the place looking for the sperm. She sits and just puts out a very clear signal indicating where she is, similar to a lighthouse. And then once the sperm comes to find her, the egg actually decides which sperm she lets in, not the other way around. So they all are rushing towards her wanting to get in and she decides which one she'll take. Once the sperm is fertilizing the egg, she has the ability to actually repair its DNA. So if there's something wrong with the sperm, she can fix it. And this is a process that we all know the feminine just makes things better. We just improve things. We add throw pillows. We make things more beautiful. There's a flower arrangement. We straight, like, it's just, we cannot help ourselves. We egg things on. It's just the way we are. And then, so the egg chooses her desire. She has the ability to improve it. And then she actually has enough nutrients within her to nutrient her and the sperm for a few days and while they make their journey from the fallopian tube down into embedding in the uterine lining, where then that is the nutrient source. So she also brings nourishment. She brings a picnic, right? Do we not always bring snacks? It's, <laughs> I do. Everyone in our Definitely. community says, like, I'm craft services because I'm always <laughs> concerned about if there's going to be enough food. So basically, the metaphor here is, so this is egg wisdom. The egg knows what she wants, and she puts out a very clear signal, but she does not overwork for her desire. Mm -hmm. She does not, she's not anxiously trying to wonder where is the sperm. She's not like running down to the cervix trying to find, she's not texting 25 girlfriends. (laughs) She is just like waiting. And then she's letting in only what she wants, not the stuff she doesn't want. She's improving upon her desire. She makes it even better just by her sheer presence. And then she has enough nourishment within her to make it last, to really savor it. So that's egg wisdom. It's really like the law of attraction in action. And it's how we are biologically wired. So interesting. So that's how it works on a biological level. So now on a not on a literal level. literal level. Yes. I'm like, what's that one called on a literal level? So this on a literal level would be how we see law of attraction play out in like the way that the movie, the secret kind of lays it out in terms or like me writing down on my big post-it note on my wall, my list of dream guests. And then three days later, <laughs> your assistant emailing me. And is that how you see that play out on a literal level? That is how I see it play out on a literal level. But also more importantly, like a lot of people who study manifestation or some of the woo-woo stuff, there's this idea that we have to work really hard to attract our desires. Mm. That it's like, okay, I have to, you know, visualize for an hour a day and I have to obsessively watch my thoughts and make sure I don't think anything negative. And I have to, you know, make the vision board and like write the goals and just like do all these things. And the egg reminds us that our desire, if it's meant for us, is coming. Mm -hmm. And while, yes, we have to emit the signal, we have to show up, we have to be there, we don't have to overwork ourselves in order to get what we want. We can simply receive it. And so I think it's a really important question to ask, like, when we have these desires. I mean, I've really been practicing egg wisdom around this book launch because, of course, I want as many people as possible to receive the book. And it's been so magical to sort of trust that the people who are meant to receive it are receiving it. And magic has ensued. Like, And I have not felt strung out because, of course, at any given moment, there's literally infinite numbers of things we could be doing. Right. There's a point where we just have to say, you know, my presence is enough. Like I have done enough. And yes, we need to put in the work. And yes, we need to build the connections. And yes, we need to show up. But there's a point where it's too much. Mm-hmm. And each of us only knows that for ourselves. And so whatever it is your desire is, ask yourself, 
how can I be more like the egg in this moment? And a really great way to practice is in our relationships, in our romantic relationships, to really practice like not over functioning. That's a term I learned from my friend Terry Cole, you know, like making all the plans and Mm -hmm. Also, you know, like we have such a tendency as women to think that if something's going to be done, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. And that is not how the egg operates. And we all started out as the egg. Right. So that's who we are. And we get to be the queen. We get to receive. And so it's just I think that most of us have swung way too far the yeah. opposite direction being the sperm, like swimming wildly towards our desires and giving it our all. And I think we've forgotten that piece about being the egg. And it is about the dance between the two, of course, but but we've swung too far on one end. Most yeah. of us. Two things that come up with that for me are around trust in yourself and also trusting in your enoughness. And so I'm getting ready to do my first live event in a week and a half. And like two months ago, I was waking up at 3am every night, like, kind of freaking out like, Oh my gosh, like all these things running through my head and content creation and, and ticket sales and all this stuff. And in the last few weeks, that's really chilled out a lot. And I've been like, you know what, I don't have it all planned yet. And it's in like nine days or something. And also it's going to be fantastic. And I'm not yeah. even nervous about it. And as a type A person, that's been very weird. <laughs> like I wake up to Peter in the night and I'm not staying awake freaking out like I was two months ago. And I'm kind of like, oh, look at me, like chilling out a little bit. But I think a lot of that comes from really pushing myself to trust that it will be fine. And I've proven to myself every time I've set out to do something hard that I can do it and it will be fine. And just really leaning into that level of self-trust. And I love the idea of egg wisdom around this. And also that I'm enough and whatever I provide to my attendees is going to be enough and it's going to be fine. Yes. Yes. So great. And very comforting, especially for us type A people that I think that type A people feel like we have to push really hard for everything. (laughs) And like, it always has to be 185%. Totally. So how can we be more productive by working less? Is this also in line with the cycles then and capitalizing on the different phases? Well, part of it is absolutely like making sure that we are building in time between projects or between Mm -hmm. starting new things for that pause time, that winter season. Mm -hmm. But also what the data shows, and this is for men and women equally, the data shows that we work the best for, you know, about four to six max hours a day. And that during Mm -hmm. that time, if we want to really get the most bang for our buck out of the time that we spend, the data shows working 52 minutes and then taking a 17 minute downtime. Now, of course, you don't have to do that exact amount, but it's really fascinating that what we tend to do is push through fatigue. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when we push through fatigue, your brain, because it's so used to being distracted, because on average, we get distracted every 11 minutes when we're working, you're so wired for distraction that when you push through fatigue, your brain will automatically begin to distract you. So you'll pick up your phone, you'll open a new web browser, you'll start a new task, you'll like start doing something else because really your brain is trying to keep itself alert by Mm. switching, doing something else. But what you actually need is a break. And they found that when people take the break, whether it's just meditating, you know, breathing, taking a walk around the block, getting a snack, you know, just doing something that's not working, they get way more done in the time mm-hmm. they spend. And of course, they feel more joyful and happier because they haven't been glued to technology 24-7. Yes. One of the things that I do, depending on weather, I'm in Seattle, and I think we probably have kind of similar weather to Maine, except for less yeah. snow, probably. But Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. 
I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. One of the things that I have this like little deal that I made with myself and my dog that <laughs> that if there's sun out, we go for a walk sometime in the afternoon. And sometimes it's only 10 minutes, but it's really interesting that I often will think, oh, I don't really have time for that today. Like I should just push yeah. through. And what ends up happening on the days that I do a 10 to 30 minute walk is that I'm like flooded with creativity, ideas. It's just like, it's so restorative that... I always get this like influx of positive reinforcement. Like this is why I do this because it really, really resets my brain. And especially on the days where I'm like, I really don't have time today to do the walk, but I make myself do it anyways. It's so beneficial. And my productivity after that is so much better. And on the days that I do like give in and say like, okay, I really don't have time. I'm not going to do it. It is just like a slog and a like trudge uphill until I pick up my son at five o'clock. Yeah. And then during that time, like we con ourselves into thinking that putting in more hours means better work. But nine times out of 10, it's the opposite. Right, right. Sitting there often has a diminishing love. Definitely. You know, so that you probably end up I mean, I don't know about you. But when I do that, I end up like scrolling on Instagram or writing something that then I go back to it. And it was kind of terrible. Whereas if I had just like cut out for the day and then spent the next 20 minutes, you know, the next morning doing that, I would have gotten it done and it would have actually been good. Right, right. (laughs) So, yeah, I create a lot of like fake productivity. So one of the things I actually just made this connection this morning was that I will do like I'll go on oldnavy.com and put a bunch of clothes for my son in the, my cart, but I don't actually buy them. And I usually don't get back to buying them. Like I think like, oh, I'm going to get on top of like his summer wardrobe or whatever, and I'll put things in the cart. And then I never even go back and buy them. And I will take like long amounts of time, like painstakingly deciding between like, would he prefer these swim trunks or these swim trunks? It's like, this is so stupid. And it's really an avoidance technique. It's not because I don't want to like actually write out the podcast episode. Yeah, exactly. Like it's an avoidance technique. And instead of doing that, it would be great to actually just take a break. Because what your body really wants is a break. The thing is, we've been taught in our culture to work as though we don't have bodies. But our bodies are the source of our energy. And they are the source of our creativity. So if we're not listening to them and tending to them, our work really suffers. It's the opposite of what we've been taught. We've been taught to push through and pretend we don't have a body. But when we do that, we just don't do as good work. Right, right. So tell us a little bit about productivity blueprints and how we can access our productivity blueprints to work toward our goals without sacrificing our relationships and ourselves. Yeah, so this really is back to the cycle. So it's knowing yourself. So I recommend and I have in my book, Do Less, a daily energy tracker that you can download and use it. So you track your energy over, you know, it would be awesome if you did a 90 day period of time, because then you will see how predictable you are and how your energy ebbs and flows and how there's the ideal time of the month for different types of activities. And then the best thing is to schedule the types of activities to some degree at the time of the month. Now, of course, especially if you work in an office, you know, it's not possible for it all to line up. There's just no freaking way. Like, 
you know, so I just recommend five to 10% of your tasks. It doesn't have to be, you know, just start off with that. So when you are, let's say now, if you are having a cycle, the follicular phase of your cycle, which is after you have your period is the time where your brain is most wired for new beginnings and brainstorming and planning and initiating. And then during your ovulation phase, your brain is the most wired for collaboration and receptivity and magnetism and being out there, you'll be your most fluent verbally. It's a great time for presentations, live events, Mm -hmm. workshops, pitches, video shoots, that kind of thing. And then the luteal phase is the best time for detail work and wrapping things up and like kind of like, you know, like little kind of bitsy PC nitty gritty stuff and wrapping things up. And then your period is the time when it's the best to rest and reflect and evaluate and actually make decisions, believe it or not. And then the four phases line up perfectly with the moon. So some women track the moon instead. And because our bodies are made up of over 60% water and the moon is responsible for the tides, there's actually really good data that shows that we behave differently and feel differently during the different lunar phases. So as much as people might think that's completely woo-woo, there's actually data. This is so interesting. And I'm thinking back to when I was a really little girl and my mom used to make fun of me, not make fun of me, but like tease me because I wouldn't want to clean my room and I would put it off and put it off. And then I would get this like, rush of inspiration to be like, I'm going to clean my room. And I would like spend an entire weekend, like digging deep to like clean and organize and get things in order. And I still have that where there's times when you mentioned like crossing the nitty gritty off the list, there's times where I'm like, I can't possibly do like a tedious to do list. And then there's other times where I like turn on the music and just like get it done. And yeah, it feels really good and it feels so productive, but like I have to be in the right mindset for it. And so this totally makes sense. And the same with content creation, like Mm -hmm. trying to create content when you're not inspired is (laughs) really challenging. And then there's other times where you're like, I could just go on and on. So this is really, really enlightening. I I totally appreciate this. It's making me excited to do some tracking myself. It is fascinating because then you'll get to realize how brilliant you are. And if you would just take advantage of how you feel, you'll get everything done in less time. Right. Oh, I love it. So I want to know how women's brains are rewired by motherhood. And what does this look like for you? I'm very excited about this. So a study came out in 2016 that showed that the area of the brain associated, it's called the theory of mind, but it's associated with our, basically our ability to care whether or not somebody else has a different feeling than we do. Um, That area of the brain actually shrinks when you have a baby and for about two years afterwards. And so while I'm not a neuroscientist, what I extrapolated from this data was that basically motherhood literally changes our brain and makes us care less about what everyone else thinks so that we can focus our precious time and attention on our baby and on our own well-being and on our family's well-being. You know, I don't know about you, but when I became a mother, I got so much better at boundaries and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden very clear, like who belonged in my life and who did not. Right. And I think it has to do with the fact that that area of the brain changes. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing is very interesting. A study that was reported in uh, Luann Brizendine's book, The Female Brain, in her mom brain chapter, which is really brilliant. Well, the whole book's brilliant, but this one chapter talks about They did a study with monkeys, mama monkeys, and they had three groups of monkeys. One group, they gave consistent, abundant food and water every day. Another group, they gave limited food and water every day, but the same limited amount. And then the third group, they gave some days a lot of food and water, some days limited, but it was all over the place. It was random. What they found is that the monkeys who were given abundant resources every day did great, as you can imagine. And actually, the monkeys who were given limited food and resources, but the same amount every day, they did great too. But the group that was given inconsistent, some days a lot and some days not a lot, they actually kind of lost their minds and started behaving really poorly and were not able to care for their babies. They were neglectful. And so what this showed was that basically, as mothers, our well-being is greatly dependent upon consistency Mm -hmm. and predictability. And so for me, when I read that study, I had already been tracking my cycle obsessively for months. And I realized it was because motherhood so threw me off. Like I (laughs) 
I've never felt so out of control in my life. And I struggled. I struggled so much. I totally and, agree. <laughs> yeah. But tracking my cycle was incredibly predictable. And mm. I knew what was coming and I knew what to expect of myself. And it yeah. felt really, really good. And I realized that is because my mom brain is craving consistency here. And I can be my own consistency by like essentially paying attention to my own body and using that as my own grounding source. And then, like I told you, scheduling around that. And so that's some interesting data to chew on about the motherhood brain. That's so interesting and relatable. And it reminds me of a time that when my son was like a month or two old and we were trying to figure out a plan to go to dinner with friends who also had a baby the same age. And I thought we were going to go get like burgers, which sounded really good to me. And all of a sudden the other couple was like, yeah, let's just go grab Korean food. And I like lost my mind and I was in my closet crying. And my husband was like, I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> because it was like so many unpredictable things had happened on top of just like the normal unpredictability of motherhood that I could not take one more thing. And I was like, but yeah. hysterical because I was like, but we were supposed to get burgers and fries and now we're going to Korean food. He was, and he told me after the fact, he's like, I've never seen you like that. And I literally didn't know what to do. And I, <laughs> Cause I have never cried in my closet before. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that makes so much sense. And that craving for predictability and how reassuring that is, is a big thing. I have a really good friend who's a uh, new mom for the first time right now. And we were actually just texting a little bit about this today. And we were texting and talking about, she's a highly productive person. And she was like, oh my gosh, like these nights are so long and it's so hard and I can't get anything done during the day. And I was like, yeah, so you don't have to get anything done during the day. Like plan your day around TV shows. Like let that be the structure. <laughs> That's great. And she was like, yes, that's a really good idea. I was like, yes. Like <laughs> I planned my days around Ellen for like three months after my son was born. That's so, great. Yes. So I want to know in what ways you are currently showing up as a shameless mom. <laughs> you know, I shamelessly receive and ask for help. I wrote a lot about that in my book. It, it ended up being the longest portion of the book. I wrote like a third of the book about asking for and receiving help, because I think it's the most critical piece of our well-being as mothers, as career women. And so I'm pretty unabashed about the fact that, you know, when people look at working moms and they're like, I don't know how she does it all, right? Like, how do you do it all? And I always am like, I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. And I'm unabashed about that. Shameless. Like, there's no freaking way any of us could do it all. I love um, that. Yeah, <laughs> so, I totally agree. Yeah. And also I'm pretty shameless about like letting things go that I don't think matter. Like my house is not perfect. A lot of days I don't do my makeup or like hair. You know, that's the great thing about living in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is in Seattle too. Just wear some fleece and some Crocs. You're fine. <laughs> totally. Totally. I'm very big on the Birkenstocks. Right. So right. I yeah, I'm just not trying to keep up with like some model of perfection. I'm just, you know, I do what actually works and what feels good. And I let the rest go. I love it. I actually that just made me think of one other question. So I think I can't remember what episode it was on. I was listening to your podcast. So you and your husband have a podcast together, which I want you to promote here at the end in just a minute. But you were talking about that you have a really equitable relationship. And you said you have really kind of as close to a 50 50% workload um, yeah. division of labor as a couple could have. And so do you talk about that in the book as well? You know what? I don't, but oh. I should have. <laughs> well, you know there's what? your next book for you. Because when you next... said that, it was kind of just a reference point for a, a bigger conversation on the episode. And I was like, I want to know more about this. Like, what does this look like? <laughs> you should do another episode and perhaps that would be a future book. But, you know, I am continuing to teach and roll things out as the book comes out. So that's actually yeah. a really good idea for a topic to dive deeper into that's not in the book because, you know, you can't possibly put it all in <laughs> can't there. can't get it all in there. No, but I think it's a really, I think that this is something that women are really craving, that we're aware of our relationships being inequitable. And there's yeah. a lot of like, okay, so now I'm aware and maybe a little bitter because I didn't, wasn't aware before. So now that I'm aware, I'm kind of annoyed. And where do I go from here? So 
I think that couples who acknowledge that they really are working in a more equitable space and, and have a lot of awareness and boundaries around that, I think that we're all very curious to see what that looks like. So, so you can come back and talk about that. I will definitely share about that on our podcast and in yeah, follow-up material around the book for sure. I love Thank it. you. Very cool. Okay. So tell us about the book, where we can find the book, where we can connect with you and you and Mike's show as well. Yeah. So if you head over to katenorthup.com forward slash book, you'll get some additional resources that are not in the book. And maybe down the line, if you head over there and opt in, I will add in the piece about (laughs) how we work our relationship with the equitability. And you'll get those bonuses for free when you order the book. So katenorthup.com forward slash book. You can definitely connect with me on Instagram. That's my favorite online, you know, social media platform to hang out on. And my husband and I have a weekly podcast called The Kate and Mike Show, where we talk about life, love, and business. And I love your show. It's conversational and it's a perfect combination of like education and entertainment. Like it's coaching, but then you're also just like, ooh, I want to like the inside peek on a marriage. So I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Um, Well, Kate, this has been so fantastic. I'm really excited about the book. I'm excited about this content for sure around periods and cycles. And I just think it's so much interesting, fascinating, and applicable information. So thank you so much for being here and helping us learn some new things today. I know this is going to be really helpful to these shameless moms listening. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.